0: Jiminy Crickets. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'm a happy-go-lucky fellow. Always getting in wrong for singing my song. A merry old soul am I. Jiminy Cricket is the name. I'll be hanging around this evening. I'll be tipping my hat and telling you that. Jiminy Cricket is
1: the name Welcome, cricketeers, to our third installment of Dateline Jiminy Crickets. I hope you have all been enjoying the new format. This week will actually be the first week that we're doing the show in our actual format because the first two weeks we didn't have an opening segment however this time you're going to really see how the new show will be formatted because before we get to the news we're going to have a short little opening topic and it's about a very famous person who if they were alive today would be celebrating their birthday on January 31st. We're also going to talk about uh six different news stories and we're going to have another rapid fire uh session with four additional uh little quick stories to sort of tie up the show together so i'm joined by my hostess with the mostest ruthie say hello ms ruthie brown hello cricketeers so Without any further ado, we have a very special announcement. Jiminy Crickets Live proudly endorses Concierge Vacation Planners, a Disney-authorized specialty vacation planning service. Concierge doesn't just book your trip. They walk you through the entire process, helping you plan out every detail, one-on-one, to make the very most out of your vacation while saving you both time and money. And the best part is, they charge nothing for their services. You will get the exact same pricing as if you booked your vacation directly through Disney. But in using concierge expertise, you've got the added bonus of having your very own personal Disney Guru Planner by your side. Both Ruthie and I are also satisfied customers, and we just can't recommend them enough. Visit their website at www.conciers.com. That's www.conciers.com, as in Mouse Ears. So when you book your next Disney vacation, be it Walt Disney World, Disneyland, the Disney Cruise Line, or many of the other Disney destinations available worldwide, contact Concierge Vacation Planners, and be sure to tell them Disney Chris sent you. E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A Encyclopedia, if you want to know the answers, here is the way Just look inside this book and you will see Everything from A clear down through Z In the
0: Encyclopedia, E-N-C-Y-C-L-O-P-E-D-I-A
1: So, for those who have been following Jiminy Crickets from our very origins, we have been doing an, a, a topic off and on over the years called Encyclopedia, and we're bringing it back tonight. Now, what we do for this segment is we look to the basically the Bible of everything about Disney that was written by Dave Smith. He's had several new additions over the years because uh, Disney keeps making new movies and adding new attractions, (laughs) and he has to add stuff constantly. So this is, uh, we're getting our, most of our information on our topic for tonight from the Disney A to Z official encyclopedia. And this again is written by Dave Smith, and we have a cute little caricature of him holding a he was the the sort of the man in charge of the walt disney archives for decades he recently retired but he still is a consultant and he's still writing books including you know updates to the official encyclopedia so we just wanted to give credit where credit is due and let you know that this is coming from the mouth of dave smith and his uh Disney Bible basically so Ruthie we usually take turns and Ruthie it's Ruthie's turn tonight and um she chose the topic that we're going to discuss and um what is the what is tonight's encyclopedia topic Ruthie
2: well we're going to talk about the Disney actress Suzanne Pleshette, and like you mentioned at the beginning of the show if she would have if she were alive today she would have been celebrating her birthday yeah so that's kind of why i chose to talk about her
1: right the timing was just perfect for this because we're releasing this on her actual birthday and she definitely is someone with a lot of history with the disney company so definitely worth talking about her and i've always i always loved her she died way too young
0: yeah
2: she did yeah she was 70
1: yeah Yeah. i was really surprised when she died yeah so well we're kind of kind of gonna go through mostly her disney career but we'll talk about some of the other things but was there anything you wanted to talk about her before she ever did anything for disney her earlier stuff or
2: well yeah one thing i know you don't you didn't have a an image for this but She's most famously known for playing Annie Hayworth in Alfred Hitchcock's the movie Birds. The Birds.
1: That was her breakout so, role, yeah. Nineteen sixty two, right?
2: Um, I'm not I don't have the date in front of me. I for think that it movie, was 1962.
1: But, yeah. Walt Disney actually lent out some of his special effects people to work as consultants on that film. So oh, there's really? another there's another Disney connection there. Yeah, he did he Ubu works actually did some of the some of the optical effects for that film. So hmm. uh, Alfred Hitchcock approached Walt and asked him, you know, how do we? Can you help me figure out how to do this? And he he um, you know he did so uncredited. He just that was the way studios worked back then. You know, there was mm-hmm. a lot of backdoor helping out of other studios and whatnot that you wouldn't find in today's more hostile right competitive (laughs) studios yeah
2: it's so interesting that hitchcock thought of walt to ask him
1: yeah well the first thing she ever did that was disney related even though it wasn't a disney film exactly was um she was in a movie called 40 pounds of trouble which had again this is another example of how a different studio would cater and allow you know a competitor access to their talent or resources because this was a film that was not a Disney film but Walt Disney allowed them to film in Disneyland a, about a 20-minute segment of this movie takes place in the real Disneyland and um, uh, Suzanne Plachet was in all these scenes, so that was really her first Disney thing, even though it wasn't exactly a Disney film. Right. But, I know there uh, only
2: has been like a handful of movies that have been filmed at Disneyland, and this is one of them.
1: Right. And um, I think this is the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they had filmed documentary stuff within the Disney company, sure. You know, for television episodes mm-hmm. and you know theatrical you know travelogue type things but this was really the first time they let a studio full access to disneyland and if you watch this footage i believe you can find it on youtube it just look for 40 pounds of trouble disneyland it's really extensive and you really get a very rare look at the park in 1962 some things are things you won't find anywhere else. Like, they actually show some of the interiors of the Fantasyland Dark Rides, which were almost impossible to film just mm-hmm. because of the, the size of camera equipment back then and the constraints when it came to lighting. So that's why when you watch those old Disney television episodes they never show the insides of these attractions like they never show the inside of the rocket to the moon ride they never show the inside of peter pan but this um they actually did get a few little clips here and there of the witch from snow white inside the snow white ride and some uh footage of mr toad's wild ride so this is really a rare gem to be able to see that sort of stuff and it's also sort of fun to see a look at Disneyland when there's actually a plot happening, because yeah. the main character, Tony Curtis, I forget the name of the character's role, but he was uh, trying. They were trying to. The he was a criminal that they were trying to arrest or something like that, and um, there was a, um, a, a plain clothes detective chasing after him throughout disneyland and the whole time is oh i remember his name because how could i forget mccluskey because throughout the whole thing he's like mccluskey mccluskey (laughs) and he's trying to chase after him and they chase through the nature's wonderland ride and there's through main street and it's just really funny to see it's entertaining Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but uh, she was sort of his girlfriend. And this was actually a remake of a Shirley Temple movie. I forget it had a different name, but it was a remake of an old Shirley Temple film with the same plot. So mm-hmm. Anyway, her first official Disney project. What was that, Ruthie?
2: This movie is The Ugly Dotson and she played Fran Garrison. And that's all al- along with um what's his
1: name? Dean
2: Jones. Yeah, Dean Jones.
1: I had a... a and this a, was also, I think, this was Dean Jones' second Disney appearance. His first was That Darn Cat in 65. Yeah. This was 66. But it's funny because she's really not a likable character in this movie. She, the, whole, <laughs> the whole plot of the movie is how um, Dean Jones' character has this big, clunky Great Dane and um who's never doing anything wrong in reality and then she has her little precious baby she has a Mm. a group of her little dachshunds that she's you know and then whenever they're out of the room and they don't see what's going on the dachshunds get into all sorts of mischief and they she's a painter in the movie and they ruin all of her paint and It might have been Dean Jones who was the painter. One of them's a painter. They end up making a mess, and then when they enter the room, they assume it was the Great Dane who did all the stuff, and he gets blamed because they're her precious little dachshunds. The reason Mm -hmm. it's called the Ugly Dachshund is because he thinks he, the the Great Dane thinks he's a dachshund, so (laughs) (laughs) he thinks he's one of them. Right.
2: That sounds kind of like Lady and the Tramp.
1: It's got some of those elements because of the whole Aunt Sarah thing blaming her when it was her cats. It it is sort of like that, yeah. So her next one is probably my favorite Disney movie with her in it, is um, uh, The Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. Now, this is one of those not a lot of people know about this movie it's it's kind of a hidden gem in my opinion i feel like this is one of the best live-action disney movies ever if you've never seen this movie you need to seek it out because it's really terrific um it takes place during the gold rush and she's a girl from boston and she ends up traveling out to california and she becomes a dance hall girl and bullwhip was her butler when she lived in boston and she he's actually trying to find her and she ends up he ends up finding her at a at an old west saloon doing the can can and it's really a funny movie it's really enjoyable um and she was really good in it but one thing that's funny is she sings in this movie oh yeah and she (laughs) has this really husky voice and the singing is very husky because it's her voice <laughs> doing it <laughs> she was a heavy smoker her whole life in fact she died of lung cancer right. um, and mm-hmm. so she had one of those really like deep husky voices but that was one of the things that I liked about her I really loved her deep voice it was just something appealing about that kind of like yeah. that Kathleen Turner
2: type yep. voice
1: mm-hmm. yeah have you ever seen Bullwhip Griffin?
2: I actually have not seen that
1: You need to check it out because it's one of my favorite Disney live action movies. And it's one of those that people just don't, there's not a lot of word of mouth about it. Right, you're right, there isn't. So the next one is probably, I would argue, her most famous role for Disney. Yeah, I think so. say so? Yeah. And that was uh, Blackbeard's Ghost.
2: Yeah, this is the one I really
0: remember her for.
1: Yeah, Dean Jones, again, she teamed up with him. She actually did three Disney films with Dean Jones. Um, Peter Ustinov, of course, as said Blackbeard. <laughs> Blackbeard's ghost. Yeah. Now, <laughs> and when you're looking at this picture, only Dean Jones can see him. So she doesn't know that he's there. So that's kind of what's going on in this picture. That's the and whole like point moving of the movie. stuff,
2: and she doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: then Dean Jones ends up getting blamed when he does stuff.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Kind of the, going back to the ugly dachshund plot again. People yeah. That's getting it. <laughs> blamed <laughs> that didn't do it. Yeah. But yeah, this is a really funny, classic Disney comedy. It's also got Elsa Manchester, who was Katie Nana in, um, in um, Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yeah. And she was also like the nosy neighbor in um, That Darn Cat. hmm. And then, uh, her, you know, her first big role that she's known for she was the bride of frankenstein back in the 30s that's right yeah yes so this
2: mm-hmm. was
1: she was played a big part in this movie too i always enjoy enjoy her mm-hmm. um so then we would be remiss even though this isn't disney if you're talking about suzanne Pleshette, you have to talk about the bob newhart show because outside of disney stuff this is probably what she is most remembered for she played uh bob newhart's wife um on the show and i think the show ran about seven seasons in the 70s it was a big hit show and it's one of those shows kind of like mary tyler moore that was a little more sophisticated than the sitcoms of the 60s and 50s had been Mm -hmm. you know the plot lines were a little bit more you know contemporary and believable and um she just played his doting wife i think she was a substitute substitute school teacher and you know you just always saw him come home to her and i think her character's name was emily Mm -hmm. and um yeah but i you know if you haven't ever checked out the bob newhart show i know there's episodes on the um on youtube and whatnot you can check it out it's a very entertaining sitcom um And it lasted for years. It was very popular. It did very good ratings. And she was part of the... They had such terrific chemistry together. And there's something funny about this. Because in the 80s, Bob Newhart did another sitcom called Newhart. Remember that Mm -hmm. one? I do remember that. This is Larry. This is my brother Mm Daryl. This is my other brother (laughs) Daryl. Remember (laughs) that? Yes. So... He was married to someone else on that show who was like a really beautiful blonde woman, um, way out of his league, it, you know, in reality. You know how TV works, though. It's, yeah. Men always get attractive women. And <laughs> oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> but
1: anyway, the funny thing about it is when they had this, it's, this is probably the most famous season finale, final episode ever of all time. And the reason is because it was so ingenious. So what happens is this show, New Heart, was very surreal. Like all sorts of just insane stuff happened on the show that, w- that could never happen in real life. And Bob was the only straight man in the whole show. He was the only like believable character. Everybody else was over-the-top crazy characters, right? Mm-hmm. That did crazy, wacky things. And it always just seemed so like like way out of reality but it was still very funny and enjoyable regardless of that um, but what happens is the final episode of the series he wakes up in bed, turns the light on and turns over and Emily, his wife from the Bob Newhart show of the 70's is in bed with him oh
3: how and the funny
1: the <laughs> whole series was a nightmare what? and he's still married to <laughs> emily from the new heart show and she oh tries gosh. to ex- he tries to explain to her that you know what was happening in his dream and she she says "Oh, go back to bed bob and you know <laughs> in her deep voice and they turn the light out and then she turns the light back on and she says what do you mean you were married to a blonde <laughs> and that's how the series ended that was the oh final episode that was so memorable I, so that, that was the best
2: in that that, yeah they brought episode. her back
1: they rebuilt the bedroom set to look exactly like it did in the original oh, series wow. it had the same bedspread and everything because they had a lot of bedroom scenes in that series you know mm. mm-hmm. so <laughs> it was so funny
2: that is funny
1: so going back to the 70s her <laughs> last live action project for Disney was the sequel to the shaggy dog which was the Shaggy D.A., District Attorney. So this was um, a 1976 sequel to the 1959 original. And even though uh, the main character was played by Dean Jones, which was a different actor, it was the same character. And apparently, the turning into a dog had l- lied dormant for years and years. And then all of a sudden, when he's running for District Attorney... It comes back, and he starts turning into a dog again. <laughs> and and she played his wife in that, and she was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so she did some voices a, several years later for Disney for a couple animated projects. What were those, Ruthie?
2: So the first one was the sequel to The Lion King, The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. And yeah. she plays the character Zira, which I'm, I watched this movie, but it, it's it's been a, a while. I want to say it was like, scars. Scar and her had a son, and I, yeah. so I think she's so like the mother of wife. Scar's wife. His son.
1: widow, his widow, Scar's widow. Oh, okay, right. Because yeah. they were married and had a son, mm-hmm. and then Scar Which dies. She's not in the first movie, but right. But yeah. They don't. She, she's probably there, but not pictured. Right. But anyway, yeah, so she plays a villainess in this, and she's like the main villain of the sequel. Yeah. So then she actually, interestingly, Disney um, did a, a project with uh, an um, animation studio in Japan. What was that all about, Rosie?
2: So I'm sure you guys probably have heard of the Studio Ghibli films.
1: So Disney and
2: Studio Ghibli, they did a film called Spirited Away. Mm -hmm. And she voiced um, this character. It's Yubaba and Zaniba in Mm -hmm. the movie Spirited Away. That's who she um, voiced.
1: Yeah. And she looks like she's probably a good character, but she looks creepy. Yeah. And has a huge (laughs) wart between her eyes. (laughs) So... That is our little tribute to Suzanne Plachette.
2: Yes, so happy birthday, Suzanne.
1: (laughs) Yes. So let's move on to the news, shall we? Let's
2: do it.
0: From the far corners of the earth... From across the seven seas, the news of the day. For the leaders of tomorrow, the Mickey Mouse Newsreel, dedicated to you, the leaders of the 21st century.
1: So what you just saw was the work, the artwork, the genius of someone we lost recently at the ripe old age of 105, (laughs) (laughs) Don Lusk, who is sort of a lesser appreciated, sort of an unsung hero of Disney animation. And he had a rocky relationship with the Disney studio and ended up leaving in the early 60s and had a huge career after leaving Disney, but while he was with Disney, he had a huge impact. And we're going to go through a little bit of his life and career and tribute to him because he is the, or was, the last surviving... Animator from the golden age of Disney animation—it's a big loss to us yeah. to have lost him. Yeah, definitely. So, what article did you get your information from, Ruthie?
2: So the article titled "Don Lusk, Last Living Disney Animator of Golden Age, Dies at 105" by Amid Amidi for cartoon brew and it's dated december 31st 2018
1: yeah cartoon brew is an online blog that is excellent if you haven't checked it out I, they've got some great stuff on there you can get lost in their past articles it's fantastic it's not just disney it's just if you're a fan of the animation you want to check out that site it's it's really extensive and there's a lot of great information So, um, Don actually passed away just over a month ago on December 30th, and like we said, he was the last, not one of the last, the last living Disney animator who worked with Disney during the Golden era throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s when Walt was in charge and when was his first uh when did he first start working for walt disney he started
2: working at disney in 1933 which was four years before snow white and the seven dwarfs their first um full-length animated feature
1: right so i believe he was probably an in-betweener at the beginning and working on the silly symphonies and mickey shorts and whatnot because that's what they were producing at that time so obviously that's what he would have been working on right he was probably brought in to do stuff for snow white as well because right around 1934 is when they started animating snow white um and like we said when we think of disney animators the first thing you think of is the famous nine old men for those who aren't familiar with what that is The Nine Old Men are nine animators that are kind of looked at as the main players in Walt Disney Animation during this classic era. And he is not considered one of the Nine Old Men, but he worked alongside them and did a lot of work to support the work of what the Nine Old Men were doing. And the Nine Old Men really created the characters, They Mm -hmm. came up with the designs of the characters. So most of his work was drawing other people's characters. He didn't design these characters. But he did do some pivotal scenes that are very memorable. And he did animate some really famous characters. Probably the first big assignment that he had was Figaro and Cleo. From Pinocchio and he animated most of their scenes together and and separate so anything involving Figaro and Cleo um, the vast majority in Pinocchio was was likely Don Lusk's work mm-hmm. um, so I don't feel that he designed the characters but he did the majority of the animation I don't know for sure. We didn't find any information on whether or not he created those characters. So we're going to assume that he didn't. And um, just say that he did most of the animation. I assume he may have done the animation for the shorts. Because there were a couple of Figaro and Cleo short subjects that followed up in the around 43 and 44. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there were two of them. And I think he might have worked on those as well, but I couldn't find any information to confirm that. So that's just an educated guess. Mm -hmm. I try not to give out information that I'm not absolutely 100% sure without giving a disclaimer because I don't want to spread false stuff out there. Because yeah. I think people trust me and <laughs> think I'm. Kn- they think I know everything, but I honestly don't. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> want to say stuff and then people treat it as gospel truth. So I'm, that's why I'm trying to explain that. But anyway, probably the next big thing he did, which is kind of. It makes sense because the fish look exactly like Cleo to me. He did the Arabian sequence in the nutcracker suite for fantasia and for those who don't remember this part this is one of the sequences among many that take place during the the opening well i guess takata and fugue is the is the opening opening but this is the first like full cartoon in the in the in the movie is the nutcracker and it has a series of scenes based on the different types of music. Like they have the mushroom scene and it sort of sounds like, you know, Chinese music and they're Chinese mm-hmm. mushrooms. Well, this is the Arabian sequence. So these fish look like like they have veils and their tails are like the veils of Arabian dancers, you know. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. very clever how it was animated. And they bear, the fish bear a striking resemblance to Cleo from Pinocchio, yeah. so it makes sense that the same person animated them (laughs) yeah so then what happened was there was a big strike at the disney studio in the early 40s and a lot of the animators walked out and picketed and don lusk was one of them and so it seems like after all the dust had settled from the strike He never got as big assignments as he did in the early 40s with Pinocchio and Fantasia. He still remained at the studio for another 18 or so years, but he always just sort of got fill-in stuff, and Mm -hmm. Walt Disney never really promoted him, even though he had the chops, he had the talents of the nine old men. Disney always just sort of held a grudge about him participating in the strike. Again, this is all conjecture. I don't know this to be the case, but it just seems strange that his workload seems to have decreased a lot after Fantasia, which was right when the strike was happening and everything. So he did get some... There are some exceptions, and he did get some meaty parts. Um, He never got, you know... He never was assigned a character and in charge of a character but he did get some scenes using these characters that are very memorable Mm -hmm. and major scenes from these films and probably the first one that would have to mention would be uh cinderella because he animated a good part of probably the most famous song from cinderella a dream is a wish your heart makes the whole scene where cinderella is Waking up in the morning and getting dressed and singing about, you know, what her dreams and aspirations are, um, that was a good portion of that was animated by Don Lusk. In fact, this what you're looking at right now, this apron scene, which is sort of an iconic image. You know a lot of books have this image in it and Mm -hmm. I know I had a record album of Cinderella with color illustrations from the movie and I know this picture was in there when I was a kid Mm -hmm. so this is sort of an iconic moment from Cinderella and that was his he animated this so you know even though he didn't get the real meat he did get some of some terrific leftovers (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and I would have to say, out of all his "quote unquote" leftovers, this was probably the greatest because mm-hmm. he animated the down the whole down the rabbit hole sequence from Alice in Wonderland, which is iconic. Yeah, um, it's one of the best scenes from the entire movie, I would argue. Even though the movie has some definite competition, because there's a right. lot of great scenes from Alice, but what's your i mean we named our whole segment on our prior show after the scene
2: i know <laughs> <laughs> down the
1: rabbit hole it's just so memorable
2: it is i mean they put it in the it's the first thing you see when you go on the attraction at disneyland yeah you know so i mean you definitely associate
1: this with alice yeah so, and it's just
2: it, and it's his work
1: yeah and it's very imaginative how they did it i mean they, mm-hmm. it's just so it's a lot of outside of the box thinking going on and how this happened like how would a person react to slowly falling down this really strange hole i mean it's just it's just ingenious yeah it is. how it was animated it's really clever so one other thing he did was now he didn't animate all of it but he got a lot of little bits and pieces here and there of both Peter Pan and Wendy during the segment where they sing You Can Fly and they're flying to Neverland. And this scene right here where he's on the, the um, geese, or I guess those are swans, <laughs> that, that was animated by Don Lusk. Um, in fact, there's a scene that comes right after it where Tinkerbell... Is, is floating in front of them and being a little bratty because she's jealous of Windy and a fish starts jumping up and tries to eat her. Do you remember that part? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That was animated by him. It seems like he always got fish. Some stuff. sort of animals, yeah. <laughs> well, it seems like all sorts of animals but consistently he animated fish. <laughs> yeah. Because he did the fish in Fantasia. He did Cleo. He did this fish in Peter Pan, and he also animated a lot of the fish in the Pinocchio segment where they're under the water and looking for Monstro. Um, He did a lot of the random, colorful, like tropical-looking fish that were floating around that you saw on the video a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of fish for some strange reason. Maybe he was just good at doing fish. Or maybe he just got typecast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one other really famous scene and probably the last kind of important work he did at Disney was the whole uh make it pink, make it blue uh battle during the when the fairies are making a dress for Sleeping Beauty in the movie Sleeping Beauty, oddly enough. <laughs> so I mean this is another one of those iconic scenes that i mean like the movie ends with this yeah you know it's it's just like one of the and the and his the way he animated it was just it wasn't what is expected it was a lot of outside of the box thinking you know very Mm -hmm. clever um so that was we just
2: talked about this scene in our other episode we just released of our regular podcast about sleeping beauty
1: right we just did a sleeping beauty if you check out our audio feed we didn't post it on youtube because we included some music that we felt would get copy struck so we opted not to post that episode on youtube even though we do post a lot of our regular podcast episodes on our youtube channel we purposely didn't post that one so we can include the song once upon a dream basically without getting Taken down. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, the um, career he had when he left Disney was vast and varied. And um, he worked for several different studios on several different projects that you may or may not remember. One of them was... uh, One of the first things he did when he left Disney was a film for UPA Studios which we've talked about in the past on this show and our other show. Um, and it was an animated feature that took place in Paris, and it was all cat. The whole cast was of the feline Persuasion. And the main character, which you're looking at in the top left here, was voiced by Judy Garland, believe it or not. And the name of the movie was called Gay per p-u-r-r-e-e gay per e because it was about cats and when you watch the aristocats which came out eight years later you can tell that disney was not being very honest about (laughs) its uh, source material (laughs) because it's very close to this movie and this movie came first so um it's sort of regarded as a classic today, but it never did that great in the box. It sort of tanked in the box office. Um, it's got some really bizarre songs that aren't that memorable. And um, there's, I, there's issues with the film. Uh, if The Aristocats is a superior film in every way, but they definitely got their ideas from this film. And you can tell if you watch both. There are differences, but there's a lot of similarities. So uh, he also did a lot of work for Hanna Barbera. He worked on two very memorable feature films for Hanna Barbera that featured characters that had been in the television um, series, but then they kind of moved on to do like theatrical releases, uh, you know, animated features using these television. Characters that originated from TV animation. One of them was "Hey there, it's Yogi Bear," and um, the other one with the Flintstones down there is this is called "A Man Called Flintstone," which was a spoof of like the spy movies, like the James Bond kind of movies. That movie came out in 1966. The "Hey there," or um, the Flintstone, "A Man Called Flintstone," and it was uh, they went on a family trip to Europe and through mistaken identity Fred Flintstone gets mistaken as being a world um, undercover spy and he gets (laughs) into all sorts of trouble and you know so that's kind of a fun movie and that movie is it
2: still in the stone age
1: oh yeah everything's in the stone (laughs) age it's still like, you know, if you're looking at this picture here, you see the taxi, it looks like it's kinda like that stone age look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um he also did some work for Charles Schultz on the Peanuts movies. Um this picture is from the publicity poster of a boy called Charlie Brown. So we've got a man named Flintstone and a boy called Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> But this was one of the first uh, theatrical-length Peanuts movies. And he did a lot of work on that. And he continued to do a lot of work on the Peanuts. But probably his biggest achievement when he left Disney was the Smurfs. And he was like an executive producer and was like one of the head people involved in animating and doing the Smurfs series. For hanna-barbera in the 80s so he was we you know he was really involved in that that was his big and probably he was more involved in this than anything he had ever done for disney he was one Mm -hmm. of the head people involved in this series so do you have any final thoughts about don lusk
2: well i'm glad we have this opportunity to honor him and it is definitely sad that he is our last connection to this golden age of Disney, mm-hmm. but it, you know it's good. Like I said, to, you know that we played that video and just uh, to show everybody Honor the clips, him. and maybe next time you guys are watching those movies and you remember that you saw the clip on this episode, you'll remember him and think about his contributions.
1: Mm-hmm. So absolutely, and I learned yeah. because I really didn't know until we did our research exactly what he animated. Yeah. and it was interesting to find out exactly what work he did so one of the reasons I enjoyed doing this show and bringing you all this is because I also learned things that I didn't know so that happened again <laughs> when we did this yes. so let's move on to our second story Ruthie are you ready? I'm ready so Disney announced I think this past week or maybe in the past couple weeks that they're going to be doing a live action remake of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And, um, or Notre Dame, however you say (laughs) it, Notre Dame. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, what article, Ruthie, did we use for this story?
2: So, I use the article titled Disney Rings Hunchback Bell David Henry Huang to script live action musical Alan Mencken Stephen Schwartz Writing Music by Mike Fleming Jr. for Deadline. And the date of this article is January 16th, 2019.
1: All right, so about two weeks we've known. Yeah. So, uh, David Huang is a um, Tony Award winning playwright who uh, most recently did a revival of M. Butterfly on Broadway. And he's the one who's been slated to do the live-action musical. And and from what I read, and this is going to be a musical, that's yeah. definite. From what I gather, it's going to contain some of the songs from the original animated one and some new songs also. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the what I'm gathering. I don't know for sure, but the fact that um, the, the people who are doing the um, songs sort of indicates that it is going to be... Because they wrote the songs for the original also, right? Yes. I, so I believe that it's going to have some of the songs from the original.
2: Yeah, I mean, they should definitely have at least the most memorable
1: right right so huang also um did the um work with uh elton john and tim rice on aida which we recently talked about on our show that preceded this when we were doing jiminy crickets live we did a whole segment on that the broadway show right and also (laughs) um He worked on a a revival of the Rodgers and Hammerstein musical, Flower Drum Song, which is uh, about Asian Americans uh, living in San Francisco. Um, And then he did work on Tarzan for Disney. So he's not a stranger to this sort of material. And I trust him that he will do a terrific job. But one of the things is, a lot of people are asking. Did we ask for this? Do we need this? Is this something <laughs> Disney should be doing? Now, when I first heard about it, I was sort of annoyed because I'm really tired of all of these remakes. But after thinking about it and realizing who's involved in this, mm-hmm. I'm starting to think this is gonna be a di- little bit different than the average remake. I think it's not gonna be a remake as, it's, as much as it's gonna be a complete reimagining. I don't think they're going to do a scene for scene like they did with uh, Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast, yeah. This is just going to be a completely different movie that just so happens to be based on the same uh, novel by Victor Hugo. So I think they're going to approach it in a completely different way. And I'm actually... Feeling a little bit better about it than I was when I first learned about it. How about you?
2: Um. Well, I actually agree with you. First, I want to mention too that there is a rumor. Well, so Josh Gad is going to be involved in producing this, and there's a rumor that he might also play Quasimodo. But we don't have any confirmation on that, so that's why I'm giving you this, uh, you know, heads up real quick. But um, so don't be surprised if somewhere down the road you find out that he is um but right. he's definitely involved in this project um yeah. i actually agree so the animated movie when it came out in 1996 i loved the music from the beginning i was just nonstop listening to the
1: uh soundtrack for this movie and yeah, i've always liked this movie yeah. yeah, I always liked, I really always enjoyed this one, too. And I always was surprised that it didn't do that well compared yeah. to the others. Because yep. I always thought it was a really good one.
0: Yeah, I, I did, mean, too. I mean,
1: I liked it better than The Lion King or Pocahontas.
2: Yes, yes, definitely. So, so what I think is the fact that they're going to make a live-action remake, first of all, it doesn't, it's not going to require that much CGI. It right. is going to be a real live-action remake because it is mostly people.
1: except for like the
2: the gargoyles and who knows if they're going to keep them in there that's one of the
1: problems i have with the animated one is those gargoyles were just sort of stuck in to appeal to kids yeah and they really did a little comic relief yeah it's not required in this i feel like that that diminishes the movie so right i'd prefer that they just left the gargoyles out because Yeah, and tell yeah. the actual Victor Hugo story. Don't right. tell. Don't remake the Disney reinterpretation of the... Just go back to the original source material, is what yeah. I say. And it sounds like they might be doing that. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but...
2: Right. I mean, who knows until the, it's actually written? Because right now, this right. is just an announcement that he's going to write it. But yeah, I'm actually... I actually like this idea because I think it's going to give breathe new life into this, you know, awesome property that it is. Mm -hmm. And it's going to attract a new set of people that are going to be interested in this story. So this, to me, I am not, uh, you know, against this remake. This is the one of the movies I think that they should definitely remake.
1: Right. And I'm not against remakes because I just want to be difficult. I, you know. There are remakes that I can be supportive of, right? And remakes that I feel like are ridiculous. Like I still have a problem with the whole Beauty and the Beast remake. That was just mm-hmm. not necessary, not needed. And the upcoming Aladdin too. I have that I have disdain for. So yeah, <laughs> I just. But I I feel like this one will be all right. So yeah, my I initial so, reaction was another rolling of the eyes and ah oh, more remakes, but. Maybe this one is, is going to be the exception. We shall yeah. see. It hasn't yes. even be, been written yet. It's probably not going to come out for three years or more. So we'll Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, but if we hear anything new, we'll give you guys an update.
1: We'll keep you updated. And speaking of movies, let's move on to our next news item. Yes. So the Oscars have been announced. The nominations have come out for the 2019 which i think are the 90th oscars if i'm not mistaken it's the 91st the 91st okay
2: 91st academy awards
1: right so disney did very well with the amount of nominations they got this year unusually well
2: yeah
1: um in fact disney hardly ever gets a best picture nomination and they did this year yes and that would be what ruthie one of my
2: favorite movies of all time black panther
1: of all time so not
2: only is this yes not really? only is this a disney film it's the first marvel film ever nominated for best picture so this is really right.
1: huge yeah
2: and it definitely deserves it definitely
1: so it got a lot more nominations it did what not else just was best it picture? what was it what else was it nominated for
2: so it was nominated for costume design Ruth Carter did the costume design for Black Panther. She's nominated. The original score by Ludwig Goranson. The original song, All the Stars, that's, um, it was, it's performed by Kendrick Lamar and um, SZA. And then um, the production design by uh-huh. Hannah Beechler, and set decoration by Jay Hart. And then sound editing by Benjamin Burt and Steve Bodecker. And sound Mm -hmm. mixing, Steve Bodecker, Brandon Proctor, and Peter Devlin. So that's seven nominations for Black Panther.
1: Yeah. That's like. There's very few films that get that many nominations throughout the history. Yeah. There's only like big, big ones that you can remember, you know, from the past that like Mary Poppins got a lot of, you know, about, I think, nine Mm -hmm. nominations and you know gone with the wind got i mean it rarely happens that a movie gets that many nominations so that's right pretty amazing for a movie yeah. i haven't seen <laughs> i definitely heard about it i mean yeah I you definitely up, did <laughs> but i just i was kind of surprised that it i mean i don't know that much about it so i was surprised that it was nominated for best picture but i mean kudos to disney and marvel I don't, mm-hmm. you know, that'd be cool if it would win. I'm, I'd be happy oh, yeah. with that one. But yeah. I don't, I don't know what else. I don't really pay attention to the Oscars that closely, so I don't even know what what besides Disney got nominated. Do you know what other movies got nominated for this best I picture? I do. What's um, it up against? I'm trying to think.
2: It's up against um, Black Klansman, mm. um, the A Star Is Born remake with Lady oh, Gaga. Yeah
1: right yeah I um knew
2: that. yeah a, a movie called the green book which was just just came out at the end of 2018 uh-huh. i can't remember the other
1: movies but i bet you the biggest think, competition would be a star is born yeah yeah I, this really is definitely
2: them. the front runner black panther yeah yeah.
1: yeah yeah so mary poppins returns got several nominations but yeah not for best picture and none of the actors were nominated (laughs) no you know disney made such a big deal about this movie and you knew it wasn't gonna you know measure up to the original so but what was it nominated for ruthie
2: so this movie was also nominated for costume design sandy powell the original score mark shaman Original song for The Place Where Lost Things Go by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, and then production design, John Meyer, and then set decoration, Gordon Sim.
1: So my guess is not taking into account the secondary nominations, which are the ones they don't show on the television. You know, they have a separate little ceremony. The technical awards, The technical (laughs) awards, yeah. So my thinking is for these top tier awards, Black Panther is is likely to win Best Picture. Costume design is a toss-up between Mary Poppins and Black Panther. I feel. Um, an original song, I think it'll go to Poppins. You think so? I think so. Yeah.
2: I actually feel like it's probably going to go. It's going to go Black, Black, Black
1: Panther. Panther.
2: So, yeah, yeah. Because this song, I don't even know why I they even... picked this song. Over, I know, you know because it's, the, it's or...
1: the slow song It's the yeah. one that's most heartfelt Yeah It's really the so only slow like kind of song from. Me. Yeah. Oh really It does
2: have to be slow They could do Trip the Light Fantastic Well maybe you know?
1: Original Score will go to Poppins yeah, But Best be. Song will mm-hmm. go to Panther
2: mm-hmm. Yeah
1: So the next one that was nominated Was uh, what Ruthie
2: Ralph Breaks the Internet
1: this only was, got one uh nomination yes, one nomination it's a big for, one.
2: yeah best animated
1: feature right yeah and it's up it's got some fierce competition too it does mainly another disney yeah. project <laughs> Incredibles Incredibles too. Too. Yeah.
2: yeah um so. the other one we don't mention because it's not disney is it's up against um spider-man into the spider-verse which yeah. is what i think is going to win
1: yeah because, because what's gonna happen seen is all
2: three of these movies and Well the what's Spider-Man gonna happen movie.
1: is ralph breaks the internet and incredibles 2 are gonna like split off because they're yeah. both disney so like ralph breaks the internet will get 25 percent incredibles 2 will get 25 percent and then spider-man will get 50 percent otherwise it would be if there was only one disney movie and one non-disney movie it would be a closer competition yeah
2: you're right but
1: mm-hmm. it's gonna split the vote right to have two
2: yeah so but i don't like i said i don't anticipate either of these movies winning because into the spider-verse was so good and it was almost like you don't when you're watching that film you don't even really compute and also
1: they're both sequels yeah that's spider-man true. is an original i mean they've yes. had three million spider-man movies right. but no but it's a new it's a new
2: version of spider-man it's a new new take on it yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's a new interpretation so it's really good yeah right so
1: so another it's too
2: much on non-disney so
1: (laughs) another um uh favorite of ruthie's i haven't seen it yet but i have a feeling when i do i'm gonna really love it christopher robin was nominated for visual effects for i guess all of the the Uh, stuffed animal characters interacting with the human characters I'm assuming that's why it got nominated because they did such a really good job of that
2: that has to be it because that was phenomenal like you totally believe that these are stuffed animals walking around in the same human world I mean it's so awesome
1: so I have a feeling one way or another Disney is gonna walk away with best visual effects because It's got three movies. Yeah, the next two, or
0: after
2: Christopher Robin, two more movies are nominated in the same category. Three
1: movies all nominated Mm -hmm. for visual effects. Solo was also nominated Mm -hmm. for best visual effects. And The Avengers Infinity Wars was also nominated. Right. So, probably one of them, and I'm guessing it's going to be Avengers
2: yeah i think you're right on that because yeah the amount of cg that they had to put in that
1: movie is yeah yeah you know beyond (laughs) now the other thing that um the um pixar short Bayo, am i saying that wrong bow bow. (laughs) i keep saying Bayo (laughs) because i when i look at it i think of scott Bayo for some reason (laughs) but i think this will win
2: yeah I think so too this they really actually good.
1: I got to see it because they were showing it for free on YouTube for mm-hmm. a little while and I watched it on YouTube I mean it was not a boot it was Disney was actually showing it yeah so um I actually got to see it and I thought it was really cute I enjoyed it did you tear up? a little bit yeah, I mean so I, I. I teared up more like that, that short they did a few years ago the paper
2: oh paper man
1: Paperman, that one yeah. made me tear up. Big oh fun. yeah, but yeah, this yeah. one but got this me a little bit. but this
2: one did too. So I'm rooting yeah. for this one to win. Yeah, yeah.
1: And after this movie came out, like the new trend is is bow everywhere. Yeah. At the, eating
2: bow. <laughs> yeah, eating
1: bow. Like at the <laughs> new tropical hideaway, they've hideaway, got yeah. bow treats and stuff. So anyway that is the academy award nominations for this year and the award goes to we'll have to wait and see and maybe <laughs> we'll follow up on this and see if our predictions are right
2: we definitely need to do that so it's going to yeah. be on february 24th is the academy right.
1: awards they air mm-hmm. so
2: after that we'll definitely have we'll to come follow back
1: and, up yeah, yeah we'll do a recap all right well let's move on to our next story Ruthie.
0: all right Disneyland's Sleeping Beauty Castle is probably the most beloved icon at Disneyland Park. Because it is such a beloved icon and one of the most Instagram places in the world, just like everything at Disneyland, we take care in maintaining and refreshing our assets. Throughout the years, we've added small little enhancements to the castle, like the little squirrel downspouts, a stained glass window, So this year, we're planning on, along with replacing the roofs, uh, repainting it always in the same color scheme of the cool blue stones and the warm pink plaster walls and then the beautiful blue roofs. But we're going to add a little pixie dust to it this year, which I think will be very subtle, but I think it will be very charming for our castle because through the years of doing so many different special things for her, it's important to us to make sure that she always looks her finest. So during this time, guests will have their opportunity to take their photo in front of Herb Ryman's first rendering of Sleeping Beauty Castle. I'm happy to be a part of keeping Sleeping Beauty Castle looking elegant and being the center icon of Disneyland.
1: So as you can see, they are going to give some TLC to SBC. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what articles did we look at for this story, Ruthie?
2: So I looked at three articles, Disneyland Resort Celebrates 60 Years of Sleeping Beauty by Kevin Rafferty Jr. External communications manager for Disneyland Resort, and this is from January 24th of this year. Mm -hmm. The next article is Photos, Sleeping Beauty Castle Closed for Refurbishment at Disneyland Park by Sierra Trexler for WDW News Today, January 8th. And then Disneyland's Castle is Getting a New Roof by Robert Niles for Theme Park Insider, January 3rd,
1: 2019. So the castle has uh gotten slightly damaged over time with the different overlays and whatnot they've done to it in the past 10 years or so Mm -hmm. they started adding the snow to the roof with all the uh, icicle lighting during christmas but really the big thing that caused damage was when they did the 60th anniversary overlay and they mm-hmm. put all sorts of stuff on the roof and reflective and diamond-looking stuff. And when they took all that down, it left some permanent damage. That it, the only way to fix it is to do like a major refurbishment. Um, so they're not sparing any expense. They're gonna do like a real extensive. It's the castle's gonna be closed for over six months. They're probably planning to have it finished when Star Wars I'm just guessing when Star Wars yeah. land. So is by the completed. summer. Right. Mm-hmm. So for a good part of this year the castle is going to have a tarp in front of it. And uh so I mean it really does need it and I'm glad they're doing it but it it yeah. is a bummer for guests who, you know, go there and right. aren't annual pass holders, you know, because mm-hmm. annual pass holders can deal cuz they yeah. see the castle all the time but um you know people who don't get to the park that often or even people that you know have a once in a lifetime visit it is sort of a bummer yeah but but you can't get
2: that obligatory photo
1: right but i mean even if you look at back during walt disney's lifetime they had to do refurbishments on the castle there's times when in the 50s even when the castle had scaffolding in front of it so i mean Yeah, it just it's it has to be done sometimes, and there's no way around it, and it really needs it right now. Yeah, so this is all part of of a major effort by Disney, which they have called Project Stardust, and we'll get into what that is a little bit here in a minute. I wanted to show you some more images of what they're doing. Now eventually they're gonna put a scrim in front of the castle. They haven't done it yet, but so far they put a, a fence in front of it and a little doorway that sort of looks kind of castle like just to keep with the theming a little a little bit so it's not just some ugly wall in front of it. Which I <laughs> yeah I appreciate that they've done that. And yeah. then around the area they added some scrims already ...that are themed to the forest scene from Sleeping Beauty... ...and also they've got some signs redirecting you... ...because you can't even go through the side entrances of the castle right now... ...you know, where the Wishing Well is... ...and where Princess Fantasy Fair is, those side entrances... ...you have to completely either go around to the Matterhorn walkway... ...you know, and enter Fantasyland by Alice in Wonderland... Or you have to go through Frontierland and use the big thunder trail in order to get into Fantasyland. land so this is a major that inconvenience is. to get into Fantasyland. land
2: yeah because that's three ways to get in that are no longer available right and now. they're really
1: the main ways that you would enter fantasy land yeah. so i wonder if Fantasyland land is a little less crowded than it normally is right now that mm. would be interesting to find out so the scrim that they're going to put in front of the castle is actually this painting. They're going to do a huge uh blow up of this painting and put it in front of the castle. And this is actually by uh who did this again? I forget. It's Herb Ryman. Herb Ryman. Duh. So this was <laughs> his first he did an earlier in fact the last time they refurbished the castle They used his earlier painting, which doesn't look like what the castle actually ended up looking like. It was a really early, kind of inspirational work before they had really set the final look of the castle. And it is a Mm. famous painting. You recognize it if you saw it. But that was what they used the last time. So this time they're using this painting, which is actually the first painting he did of what the castle was actually going to look like like the final design of it so this Mm -hmm. painting predated the construction of the castle but as you can see from it it's exactly what they ended up building this is the final design of it so this is what they're going to put in front of the castle so you can take a picture with this instead of the castle i guess yeah so that's a little bit disappointing again for people but let's talk about this project stardust or it's a whole initiative that's been ongoing but Disney never really officially announced it it just sort of yeah. was happening without Disney acknowledging it but now they finally come out after about 75% of it is already done <laughs> right? <laughs> and let us know that this is what they're going to be doing or have already done so mm-hmm. let's just go through this, this is a brochure that Disney actually put out So I guess to kind of appease people visiting the park who get kind of annoyed with all this construction happening, they hand this out so that people understand why it's happening and maybe they won't be as upset about it, I'm guessing. Right. So um, a lot of this has already been done. Yeah. In in fact, most of this in this this brochure has already been finished, but Mm -hmm. they redid the um the trolley um uh tracks
2: yeah that was actually last year at this time yeah they had walls up right down the middle all of main over
1: street. main street yeah and yeah. they did a little bit at a time and the wall was moved mm-hmm. day by day a little bit further down <laughs> and um they also improved the curbs along Main Street, made them a little more pedestrian-friendly, and did a lot of brickwork on the sidewalks, too, which mm-hmm. was, is sort of a project they've been working on for years now yeah. because those sidewalks were never brick until the past maybe eight years. Little by little, they've been replacing all that with brickwork. Um, so then, of course, the castle being redone is, is what's happening right now. And then they've improved the queuing areas for a few attractions. Probably most notably, as pictured here, are the Matterhorn bobsleds and Dumbo, which Mm -hmm. were always problem queues. Yes. Especially, well, I guess it's about as bad for both, really. I can't really pick which was worse the thing about the Matterhorn was how it wrapped around the Matterhorn and it was never very attractive to see like a ring of people. Yeah, it it was was on both sides. And it was (laughs) on both sides because there's two there's two versions of it. There's one on the left and one on the right, so but they moved all that so now when you queue up, there's a whole queuing area right in front of the Matterhorn and there's no more wrapping around and it's it's got more theming it's got shade trees, a lot of trees and everything so it's a lot more pleasant Mm -hmm. especially because they added fast pass for some unknown reason didn't (laughs) need it but anyway they they've improved the Matterhorn and then of course they did the whole queue area for Dumbo which they really did a great job and the thing is I think they're doing a really good job on this stuff they're not yeah they're not doing half-hearted stuff they're really putting the investment into it and doing them right yeah so it's actually enhancing the experience and it's not taking away anything which is what should be done and and i appreciate it so all
2: the stuff that they're doing looks like it was there from the beginning it fits right in right
1: yeah. Now, one thing I have a problem with, in fact, the only thing I have a problem with on this brochure is the walkway thing, mm-hmm. because they're taking away a lot of the, the planters and, yeah. and things like that. But, I mean, if you look at these two examples, I think they chose these purposely to show, look, it's not that bad. Yeah. But there's other <laughs> examples that are not pictured here that are much more extreme, I think that are kind of a bummer that they had to to do that Mm -hmm. um as far as the whole seating thing that i appreciate they actually gave up retail space in order to have indoor seating for the bengal barbecue which is unheard of but disney is actually thinking about the comfort of the guests more than pushing merchandise (laughs) which is a nice i hope that's a trend that continues yeah um,
2: I, I love this i love this choice i'm so glad that they did that yeah i'm glad they got rid of the um you know the parking the stroller parking is not in the middle anymore it's off inside yeah.
1: the
3: and they got, got
1: rid of another retail space in order to yep. do that they they moved they moved everything out of the tropical import shop and turned that whole building into stroller parking yeah so and then of course you know that ruthie and i are in love with tropical hideaway yes And then the new queue area for Small World, which they Mm -hmm. did a really good job on. So overall, we're happy with Project Stardust. Yeah. And um, I don't think that it's a bad thing. On paper, it sounds like on paper it sounds like a bad thing. But the actual, because they're doing it right, they're making the investment. They're not they're not doing it cheap like Disney has been known to do in the past twenty years or so. Is especially. Um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Disney cut a lot of corners when it came to this type of stuff. Yeah, It seems like now they're doing it right. They're doing it for the long-term, you know, yep. long-term refurbishments that are going to last a while. So we're happy with this. Yeah, and I
2: like this. It's very well planned out, well in advance of, you know, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening, you know, to, to make all of this stuff more accessible and and have more people enjoy the park so i think it's great
1: so let's move on to our next story okay and disneyland specifically but it's really something happening at all the parks but we're going to focus on what they're doing at disneyland they have a whole special promotion going on called get your ears on and it's a celebration of mickey and minnie because they just turned 90 last november now, it's funny to me because I remember when they used to do these celebrations before. Yeah. The, but it seems like recently they've been doing them after the event. So, yeah. like, when they did the 60th anniversary, that kind of kicked off when it um, was... the like, the, the day. The, yeah. yeah, and then the celebration lasted for, like, a year and a half after. Whereas right. back in the 80s and 90s, they used to do, like, for... The 30th anniversary in 85, they started the celebration at the beginning of 1985, right? And it lasted mm-hmm. that whole year. But they do it differently now. I don't mind that. That's fine. In fact, it probably makes more sense to do it this way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, this is called Get Your Ears On. And here is some of what's going on at Disneyland. They've got tons of merchandise.
3: Mm-hmm
1: they've got decorations on like you know the street lamps and special bunting on the the um buildings on main street that, that has this color scheme of yellow and red and they've got uh, special mickey mouse uh uh menu items everywhere throughout the park and in fact they have so much mickey mouse themed food they had to give a food guide out (laughs)
3: yeah (laughs) so they actually
1: have a brochure that you can look at to see where all the different food stuffs are located and where you can get all your mickey mouse themed treats Mm -hmm. here's a better picture some of the fun merchandise you know they've got plush and they got drink uh containers and pocketbooks and of course the ears and buttons and hats and all you know all the typical souvenir stuff with special mickey mouse theming mm-hmm. and it's got this cute mickey mouse doll with the with the with the birthday hat <laughs> so fun stuff here's some of the food they've got some really oh that adorable, looks so good yeah these are adorable <laughs> cupcakes here but the one i think is cool is yeah. this hamburger it's like <laughs> you can never have too many hamburgers, so I love no. this <laughs> three. Hey, in one. everybody
2: can share. <laughs>
1: no, not with me. Not yeah. you.
2: <laughs> you will with get, me. There's no way I'm eating three hamburgers. <laughs> I get the whole thing.
1: <laughs> so one other fun thing is they put a special um, wrap around the monorails. And they've got like a Mickey theme going on the, the, the monorails right now, which are really cute. Yeah. I like this overlay of the park. I I, yeah. I support this. So the one,
2: the one thing that's making it easy for us to talk about is because when Disneyland does an overlay, they go all out. Oh yeah. Like like we're talking about food, merchandise, decoration. I mean, going as far as to decorate the monorail just for this, you know, celebration. Yeah. So they just really they really know how to throw a party. The same thing they did um, this Pixar. past summer for with Pixar Fest. It was the yeah. same thing. They yeah. had a food guide because they had so much new food out there that and you wanted to be able to know where to get all the different things, so they had to this put a food was,
1: guide out. This is something they stopped really doing for a long time. And I remember back in the '80s when they had these big promotions, like they had Blast to the Past and yeah. State Fair and Circus Fantasy. That rem- this sort of reminds me of that, and I sort of, mm-hmm. I sort of like this. I'm nostalgic yeah. for this whole concept of doing special stuff like this, as long as it doesn't invade. Like I feel like the ones from the '80s were a little too invasive, in and yeah. some like they put a big jukebox in, um, in where the walt statue now is and so like instead of seeing the castle when you walk down main street you'd see this huge giant jukebox in front of you and and they you know they did stuff like that and they put netting over main street so they could have acrobats doing yeah that's kind of crazy (laughs) yeah yeah that always sort of bugged me but this they they're doing it a little bit more classy this way but yeah anyway Another big uh, outdoor event has just recently premiered. And what's it called? Mickey's Mix Magic? Yep. And this is a concept drawing. But now that it's opened, we can actually watch a video and see what uh, this new nighttime event is all about. Music! Music fix We are here putting the final touches on Mickey's Mix Magic. It's going to be this really kind of fun, one of a kind dance party for the whole family and it brings Disney classics to life in a fun new dance way.
0: We're here in the programming trailer taking a 3D model and putting it in our system and it allows our art to be projected almost three dimensional. We have other programming stations that are out at Main Street in Small World. We've taken video and we've mapped that onto all the surfaces.
1: We've added in lighting, we've added in lasers, we've done some audio tests. So we are ready to do some final reviews. Mickey is our host and he's really excited because he's put this whole show together for Minnie, And he's put this whole DJ booth and he's remixed all the music for himself. We have great numbers like we have King Louie coming out to do a fun new kind of electro swing version of I Want to Be Like You and of course we get into Let It Go because it is really great as a dance track to kind of bring this whole big kind of new Disney spectacular to a big climax in the show. We'll be able to premiere it and show everybody around the world just how much fun it's going to be to come to Disneyland and kind of, you know, dance your shoes on.
0: pictures please (laughs) as the lip doors creak and the tombstones quake (laughs) happy hearts materialize green brain ghosts come out to socialize now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide
3: So that,
1: so that is mickey's mix magic and here's some more pictures of the new show now keep in mind that a good part of the time they're not going to have fireworks Um, they're only going to do fireworks on weekends and during peak seasons so you may not see anything except for the projections but the projections seem pretty cool my suggestion is if they're not doing the fireworks I wouldn't bother with Main Street. I would watch it from Small World. Yeah. It probably would get a much easier to see, you know, if if you're only concerned about the projections, it would be a lot easier to see by Small World. And it seems like the visuals just look a lot more interesting yeah. against the Small World facade, yeah. But I guess you can also watch it at the Rivers of America, which I, I haven't seen any video of that yet. But yeah, I haven't seen they that do the, the the water screen that they use for phantasmic um, mm-hmm. and they project onto that somehow but I haven't seen any maybe it's hard to film that maybe it's something you have to really be there in person to get a good picture of it with your own mm-hmm. eyes but yeah that it looks be. pretty interesting I mm-hmm. you know it's again this pop music stuff i'm not into but a lot of people are and i'm probably yeah. way outvoted in my opinion <laughs> on that but
2: well the one thing i like about this show though is it still represents like the old yeah you know, disney cartoons as well because it has like aristocats
1: and jungle, jungle book. book you know yeah. it
2: has these scenes
1: and haunted mansion is a classic mm-hmm. so i mean that i'm happy with too and i did take note of that in the back of my mind that yes unlike that walt disney world fireworks show they're actually Mm -hmm. representing things i have an emotional connection to yeah and not just tangled well i guess tangled is one of the ones i do really enjoy but like like the whole castle show now at disney world is like if it was before 1990 it's not in the show
3: Mm
1: (laughs) yeah but another thing they're doing for the um uh birthday events is they added some opening floats to sensational which has recently returned they brought back and thank goodness cuz i love sensational yeah. i think it's one of the best parades they've done in years and i mm-hmm. i love uh who who's the designers kevin kidney um,
2: kevin kidney and jody Daly.
1: and jody Daly. i love their stuff i oh, yeah. i follow them on online they have a website that they occasionally add new stuff to. But I'm always fascinated by their work. And um, it looks like these new floats are definitely um, fitting. They fit in with the rest of the parade. Um, They don't look like they're add-ons. They look like they were always part of the parade. So they have the one pictured here of Mickey playing the drum, which is actually the the brand-new opening float and then behind it which is not pictured they have a birthday cake with chip and dale and then the rest of the parade is the same as it's always been the float where mickey is on with the drumming and and everything that's all still part of it so they didn't take anything away they just added two new floats in honor of the birthday so Mm -hmm. that's cool and then yeah one other thing that they're doing is they're really pumping up the whole valentine's day thing this year which they never really have done a lot for valentine's at disneyland or any of the disney parks but this year they're really kind of going a little bit bigger on it than they ever have and they're adding a lot of mickey and Minnie themed um, valentine's day decorations around the park this one's adorable yeah this is really cute yeah and i've seen pictures of some other things they've added they put some stuff on the vehicles Mm -hmm. um like they have like a thing on the back of the horse horseless carriages that says mickey loves Minnie" or something like that so and then they're also of course we mentioned in our last show they're gonna do the whole after hours um uh Disney, like the valentine's day one. the valentine's themed after mm-hmm. hours event so a lot of stuff being added to the valentine's now i would like to see them do more for easter i know that in uh tokyo they go crazy with the easter decorations yeah and isn't they have, that
2: like a three month celebration
1: yeah <laughs> i'd like to see them do more for that in california i think that would yeah. be popular i mean, they, they do a little bit but maybe Mm-hmm. So the other thing that they're doing, which sort of isn't exactly Mickey-related, but they're sort of adding it all into it because it is going on while all this other stuff is going on, is they're doing a, a California adventure. They're doing a whole... And they've been doing this for several years now, so it's a Chinese New Year's celebration. And since this is the year of the pig in the Chinese zodiac, they're doing a lot of stuff with the three little pigs and aren't they adorable in their little chinese outfits they so <laughs>
2: they're cute. so cute oh they're yeah so cute. yeah i'm so really glad like they're that. being represented
1: yeah and they you don't get to see them as much as you used to you they used mm-hmm. to always be in the park but that was yeah. back when they had the giant heads remember them <laughs> yes
3: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: they couldn't move their arms yeah yeah But I saw them every time I went to Disneyland when I was a kid. And now you rarely see them. So I'm glad they have a reason to bring them out. Yeah. They're kind of the mascots for this year because it's the year of the pig. So that's what's going on with the whole uh, get your ears on event. Mm -hmm. So we have one more story we wanted to talk about and they just recently announced that uh shanghai disneyland is getting a whole new land based on uh zootopia the movie that was actually at first i was like that seems random but then i read about it and apparently zootopia in china was a lot bigger deal than it is in the united states even though it was it did very well here in china it did like amazingly well yeah and it's actually box
2: office records and stuff it's
1: it's the the most successful animated feature of all time in china believe it Hmm. or not so what articles did we look at for this story ruthie
2: i looked at two for this one so the first one zootopia themed expansion coming to shanghai disneyland by Thomas Smith, Editorial Content Director for Disney Park. That was from January 22nd. And then Breaking Zootopia-themed land announced for Shanghai Disneyland by Jill Diffendale. For WDW News Today, also January
1: 22nd. Yeah, shout out to WDW again, because we love them. (laughs) We get all of our news from them. Um, So anyway, they announced that Zootopia is coming... And it's gonna be the second major expansion to the resort. Now remember, they only have one park there, yeah. so it's gonna be part of their Magic Kingdom. Um, they had they when they built that park. If you look at how it's laid out, they left a lot of space to put in new stuff. Mm-hmm. So unlike Hong Kong, where they had when they've added new stuff, they have to sort of build it around the edges. Mm-hmm. They left space to have lands connect to the hub oh wow that's good so this will probably be a land you can enter to from the hub it won't have to be an offshoot land you know Mm -hmm. because they really were thinking about you know leaving extra space for expansion when they built this Mm -hmm. park i feel like this is the first park where they really took that into consideration because if you look at especially when it first opened it looked like a lot of empty space everywhere yeah Mm -hmm. So, and I think that was by design Mm -hmm. so yeah this was based on the hit movie Zootopia of course Mm -hmm. which I still haven't seen (laughs) (laughs) Ruthie (laughs) keeps trying to make me see it (laughs) Um, so you're gonna um, why don't you tell us what kind of things you feel we're gonna see here because I really don't know that much about Zootopia
2: okay so the the, since you haven't seen it I'll talk a little bit about it so Zootopia is the way that it's designed, it has different, like um, territories Sectors. for different, yeah, different animal types would live in different habitats and things like that. Right. So this whole zootopia incorporates all of those types. So it has like a little frozen tundra, uh, rainforest, things like that for all different types of animals to live all in one area. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm thinking that they're going to do. So, you know a mammalian metropolis is what they're describing it as. Mm-hmm. So, based um, on
1: what you're look this is a, a image from the film.
2: Right.
3: This is right. not
1: concept art. This is what it looked like in the movie. Now, they might have a train like this, I feel. And
2: I think that would be awesome. Yeah. They definitely should because that is one of the scenes in the movie is when Judy is going to Zootopia for the first time to start her job. She's on this train. And so the reveal is just really awesome. So I really hope that
0: they do have that.
1: And here's a picture of it going Mm -hmm. through the city. And this is what the city looks like when you're in it from the movie. Yeah. And then this is the concept art. So this is what it'll look like in the park. And you can see, if you compare, that some of the structures, especially that spire one in the middle there looks like they're going to like represent it may it's not as tall and it's sort of sandwiched in with other things but it's still going to sort of be represented on a smaller scale but mm-hmm. it'll definitely give you the same feel as you got in the movie yeah. from what i'm looking at mm-hmm. so it does look like fun yeah. and it'll be fun to watch all the animals going around they also say they're going to put in a e-ticket experience um of some kind and from the gobbledygunk that i read it sounds like it's probably going to be a screen based um, attraction just mm-hmm. you know i'm translating disney jargon speak into actual english here and it just <laughs> yeah sounds like it's gonna be a screen attraction to me yeah. But that's just that's just my guess i don't know that for sure but we just thought we'd quickly mention this because it's kind of a big deal that because we actually were suspicious back when they were clo- they said they were closing down Rafiki's Animal Watch. Mm-hmm. We were suspicious that they might be putting a Zootopia-themed area there. But yeah. that turned out not to be the case. In fact, they weren't even going to get rid of it. They were refurbishing it. So I Let's... just
2: think that this is going to be hugely popular in Shanghai. But yeah. the thing that I really like about it is... It's based on original story, original yeah. content, and it's yeah. all gonna be just from the Imagineers' minds, which is gonna yeah. be amazing and awesome. And this is definitely gonna be in the United States at some point. I have no doubt about that.
1: I think it'll eventually end up in Animal Kingdom.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Somewhere, because even if they don't get a, get rid of Rafiki's Planet Watch, there's plenty of space. The
2: space, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, they don't even have to get rid of anything. They can just put it somewhere that hasn't been used yet. Right. So now we're going to do our rapid-fire stories, and we have a big surprise for you. She's back! <laughs> <laughs> we were actually talking about this when we did our Sleeping Beauty episode.
2: I know, that's we what we have to talk about. Yeah,
1: we didn't know when we were doing that whether or not the fire breathing had returned yet to the dragon in the Festival of Fantasy Parade at Disney World. The um, I had heard that the dragon had returned but she wasn't breathing fire for now so this confirms that she has not only returned but she's she's breathing fire again so she's back so we had to mention that as sort of a correction to our last show that we did (laughs) now what article did we look at for that
2: that was an article from wdw news today titled breaking Maleficent Dragon Float returns to Festival of Fantasy Parade today with new look at Magic Kingdom by Jessica Figueroa. That was January 25th.
1: Right. Now, the next story is awesome. Yes. And it's also about Animal Kingdom. So what stories did we look at for this one?
2: So two stories. Kilimanjaro safaris temporarily closed on Monday as a baby giraffe was born at Disney's Animal Kingdom. By Danny Cox for the Inquisitor, January 14th. And then it's a giraffe calf at Disney's Animal Kingdom by Scott Terrell. And he's the director of animal and science operations at Walt Disney's Parks and Resorts. And this is from January
1: 17th. So on the fourteenth, the they Disney didn't make any announcements that they had I a know. pregnant giraffe. Nobody knew this was a Usually surprise. they do. Yeah. They kept it a secret, and um, so on the 14th, all of a sudden, Kilimanjaro Safaris was shut down, and nobody really knew what was happening, and it only shut down for part of the day because, and they may not have even shut it down at all, but apparently, the mother decided to do it, to give birth at kind of an inconvenient spot for the trams <laughs> to go through, so they just decided to not bother her and let her do her thing and shut down the ride for a little while until she, you know, finished doing her her acts or whatever yeah. you want to call it. But look at this babe I mean oh, so, so adorable. I don't know it if It would have been know...
2: amazing to see that.
1: Yeah. The name of the mother is Mara. And she, it's, we know it's a male giraffe. And the species is the Maasai, or I think that's how you say it, M-A-S-A-I yeah. giraffe. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know that they've named the baby yet. Um, I
2: don't think so. That, they haven't that announced it. That would have been it. a huge announcement if they had. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but they've been backstage nursing and bonding, and they'll continue to stay back backstage. So you won't be able to see them for a little while. Maybe when they come back out into public is when they'll announce the name.
2: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: But yeah, so in a couple months... I think that's months, what they did with we'll the Rhino, up. too. Right, or the hippo, you mean. Yeah, yeah, the hippo, yeah, 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 which is another adorable thing. I actually went there right after the hippo had been born, and I didn't get to see it. When I was a little disappointed, he—he was—I don't remember if it was a male or female hippo. I'll just say he—he he was on display, but he was not. I mean, you, you technically could have seen him if you were at the right place at the right time, but I was not at the right place at the right time, so I—I <laughs> yeah. I didn't get to see. But anyway, let's move on to our next rapid fire, which is we wants the redhead. <laughs> So the original redhead, not the new one, has actually been preserved and is on display at the um, uh, Walt Disney Archives in Burbank. So what story did we look at for this?
2: This is Disneyland's Pirate of the Pirates of the Caribbean Redhead finds new home at Walt Disney Archives by Matthew Soberman for WDW News Today from January 8th.
1: Okay, so the walt disney archives we talked about when we opened the show about dave smith that's the division of disney that he was in charge of for years and years and what they do is they preserve important artifacts uh documents photographs and physical things such as what we're looking at right here for posterity Mm -hmm. and for historical purposes so good news is that the original redhead still survives and because she's in the care of the archives she will be around for years and years to come yeah so that's good news
2: yeah and the history is not erased right yes
1: so our final story is about food which is always (laughs) a good way to end an episode (laughs) with dessert yes so the mickey mouse ice cream bars chocolate covered ice cream bars that are so so popular in disney parks apparently have now been uh available in grocery stores and what articles did we look at for this ruthie
2: so i looked at a couple of them the first one mickey ice cream bars now available outside disney parks from select grocers by jessica figueroa from wdw news today january 8th and then another article, Mickey Mouse Ice Cream Bars has have arrived in stores to bring Disney World to your home by Georgia Slater for People. That's January 15th.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um,
3: Taste the one, test.
2: yes. Um, well, there was one other article that we looked at, which is called Taste Test, New Grocery Mickey Ice Cream Bars versus Theme Park Mickey Bars by nathan hartman for wdw news today that's january 22nd And
1: go on their website because they have a video of it but we didn't want to show the video because that wouldn't be um that's their video we didn't want to be showing someone else's video on our podcast so (laughs) if you want to see that video just check just look up wdw on on youtube and it'll take you there but anyway, we're gonna comment on what they said in the video because we have our own take on it. But we didn't want to show the actual video because that wouldn't be um, kosher. So
3: yeah.
1: Um. So Nestle has partnered with Disney, and I think they make Nestle also makes the ones in the parks. Yeah, I think um, so. And they're, they did this in honor of Mickey's 90th, and it's the first time that these have been available in grocery stores. But, I mean, you could always buy Nestle chocolate ice cream bars. And they're probably... Yeah. This, I'm guessing the same formula as what their regular chocolate bars are. They're just shaped like Mickey, which is just yeah. a little added fun. <laughs> but um, And the boxes and, you know, the packaging is really adorable. But what's interesting... And the other thing is the price. So, if you bought a Mickey Mouse ice cream bar in the in the parks one bar would cost seven dollars and fifty cents um but an entire box of i think it comes with six right yeah six Mm -hmm. is it the entire box is five dollars and 75 cents so you're actually paying less than a dollar per bar (laughs) -hmm. whereas the ones in the park but the ones in the parks are bigger bigger yeah and apparently according to the video that we watched they're not the same recipe it's got different it tastes different it doesn't taste the same as the ones now he said the ones in the in the park had more of a sort of a rich vanilla flavor Mm -hmm. whereas the ones in the grocery store were more sugary tasting and Mm -hmm. one of the main reasons is because the grocery store ones use skim milk whereas mm-hmm. the ones in the park use milk fat and yeah. and skim milk. So they add I don't even know why they use skim milk if they're just going to add fat back in. Why don't they just use whole milk?
3: Right. But, I don't know. I'm
1: not a I'm not ai don't make ice cream so I don't know maybe there's a reason. But anyway, the there, there more, there's more fat content in the in the park version that's probably the main reason for the flavor difference also the bars are bigger and you don't get that delightful um dry ice um crunch <laughs> that you get you know how when you buy yeah. the, it's like it's almost like you, at first you can't even bite into it it's so hard right. you don't get that with and that's part of the fun of eating those i feel oh yeah You don't, of course, get that when you take it out of your icebox, unless you put dry ice in your (laughs) icebox and ruin your refrigerator, but I do not recommend that. Don't don't sue me if your refrigerator gets ruined. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we just thought that was sort of a fun way to end the episode.
2: Yeah, so I haven't tried these yet, but I do plan on going to the store and buying them. I just have to find a store that sells them. I was looking at Target, and they don't have them at Target.
1: Yeah, maybe Walmart.
2: Um, I think I saw Kroger, so I do oh. have a Kroger near me. So we I'm don't have Kro-
1: we don't have Krogers in my area.
2: Oh, hmm. There so. was about five different stores that I saw in another article, which I don't remember all the stores, but um, that was the one I remember because I could go to that one. <laughs> so I will try these.
1: So that ends another episode of Dateline Jiminy Crickets. Ruthie, where can everybody find us on the web?
2: You can find all of our past shows, including audio versions of Dateline Jiminy Crickets, on our website, jcricketpodcast.blogspot.com. You can also listen to us on iTunes under the name Jiminy Crickets. That's with an exclamation point, and be sure to leave us a five-star review. On our YouTube channel, we share updates to the Disney Chris website, including the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour, as well as past episodes of the Jiminy Crickets podcast and Dateline Jiminy Crickets. You can find our channel if you search for disneychris.com and remember com is spelled out d-o-t-c-o-m you can also join in the conversation over on our facebook page jiminy crickets podcast where you can not only interact with chris and me and all the fellow cricketeers but you can also stay up to date on all the latest details of our many worldwide web endeavors if you would like to contact the show with any comments or questions our email address is DisneyChris, d-o-t-c-o-m at gmail.com we would love to hear from you
1: you can find me on twitter at disneychris73 and that is the official twitter for our podcast here Uh, Ruthie doesn't use twitter and I just use my name so if you want to contact us via twitter that would be where to do it just use my regular twitter account on Facebook, Ruthie Brown and I'm Chris Linden, that's L-Y-N-D-O-N as in Lyndon Johnson. I also have a website if you're not familiar with it and you might want to check it out, it's called DisneyChris.com. On there I post a Disney song of the day every day of the year and I also have a feature called the Disneyland Magical Audio Tour with over 1,600 audio tracks from Disneyland. Uh, we also have a Patreon, and if you would like to help support our show and all of our uh, fun Disney activities that we do, uh, that would be patreon.com slash disneychris. And if you are not uh, comfortable with Patreon, you can also donate through PayPal, either as a one-time only donation or um, you can do a, actually do a recurring donation just like Patreon through PayPal. So if you're more comfortable doing it through PayPal, you can find that by going to my website, disneychris.com, and there should be a link at the very top of the page that says Donate. And if you click on that link, it'll bring you to this page, or you can just enter this URL directly, disneychris.com donate.html. So we would appreciate any and all support for our magical Mickey Mouse musings. (laughs) (laughs) Don't forget Minnie. (laughs) And Minnie, of course. (laughs) So you have any final words for tonight, Ruthie?
2: Of course I do. To quote Walt Disney, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, dreams are forever.
1: And always let your conscience be your guide.
3: Now it's time to say goodbye To all our company
1: M-I-C See
0: you real soon K-E-Y Why?
1: Because we like you
3: M O.